0: amen the lord bless you this morning it's good to have you with us for those joining online we are concluding our series called he restores my soul and uh, we described how the soul is basically the the seat of our personality it's where our will and emotions reside our mind our physical mind and uh, and just how important it is for those areas of our lives to really be restored made whole I was thinking this morning, in the first service, how when you read the book of Nehemiah, we really have a beautiful picture of how that restoration takes place by the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. Um, Nehemiah actually was uh, sent back to uh, restore the walls that were broken down in the city of Jerusalem. Before him, there was a man named Ezra uh, who had returned with people a number of years before and they had rebuilt the temple. And so the worship was reestablished. The problem was because there were no walls in the city, the enemy could come and go at will. And so there was never real peace in the land, but not only was there not peace, there was not this sense of being a fortified city from which they could actually advance into surrounding areas and expand the kingdom. And it really is a beautiful picture of what the Lord comes to do in our life. In fact, I don't believe it's a coincidence that the name Nehemiah actually means comforter. And what we see in the book of Nehemiah is, uh, is just a picture of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives and what he seeks to do. And that is when we come to Christ, the Lord makes us alive to Him. We're alive to God. We can worship God. That relationship is restored. But unfortunately for many Christians, that's where it stopped. Because though we can worship the Lord, the evidence in many Christians' lives is that the enemy is still coming and going as he pleases. He comes and takes pot shot. He comes and does things in our lives that would cause those outside of Christ to say, well, you guys are really no different than us. You may kind of live a, uh, you know, a cleaner life, but statistically... Uh, Your lives are as much a mess as we are. And for a lot of Christians, we say, I don't understand why that is. Why don't I experience this fullness of life that Jesus promised? Why isn't there the sense of me advancing rather than just kind of holding on until Jesus comes? And a large part is we don't understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to restore our soul. He comes to rebuild the walls. That that, that center of worship is there, but he comes to restore our personality so that we know who we are, we know what we're about, and and we have the secure place from which to live and to minister. And so that's what the Lord wants to do. So we've entitled this series, He Restores My Soul, of course, based on the 23rd Psalm. He leads me beside still waters, and He restores my soul, the ministry of the Lord, to each of us. And we talked about things like our identity in Christ, that really knowing who we are really determines our behavior. Uh, We talked about family sin patterns how important it is to kind of identify some of those things, and though it doesn't excuse maybe the wrong choices I make, when I understand some of the family sin patterns, I'm able to at least explain and understand some of the things that I wrestle with and then see how the Lord can deal with that and set me free. Last week we talked about forgiveness, of course, and how important that is, that when I forgive the person who's offended me, I discover that I'm actually the one who walks out of the prison, bar, or the prison cell. And so just these dynamics that the Lord wants us to understand so that we can be whole, in our mind, and our will, our emotions, and so on. This morning, I want to talk on the topic of deliverance. as our final topic, uh, deliverance. Uh, two scriptures I want to turn to, Galatians 6 and Second Timothy 2. Uh, Galatians 6, Paul says this, Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. What he means by that is that if you're ignoring God, God's not going to zap you or beat you up. But he's saying that when you ignore the Lord, you've got to understand that there's consequences because then you're making decisions, choices that aren't based in wisdom. Just like our own children. They'll always be our children, but they understand that we love them, and if they follow our instructions, we've lived the life a little bit longer, things can go well for them. But if they just choose to go do their own thing, they're going to end up learning things the hard way. We want to spare them of that. The Lord's saying the same thing. He says, a man will always reap just the kind of crop that he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, He will be planting seeds of evil, and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives him. And then Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, In a large house there are not only things made of gold and silver, but also things made of wood and clay. Some things are used for special purposes, and others are made for ordinary jobs. Now he gives us the choice. All who make themselves clean, that is, who cooperate with the work of cleansing uh, in your life with the Holy Spirit, all who make themselves clean from evil will be used for special purpose. So God has no favorites. We're all his favorites. We all have the same opportunities, but we have some choices to make. They will be made holy by the Lord, useful to the master, ready to do any good work. How many of us ever grew up watching Scooby-Doo? Right? It actually started back in the 60s. I grew up watching as a kid. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically, it's, I think it's the longest lasting uh, TV show cartoon in, in television history. But, but it's basically comprised of, of, I think, three or four things. You've got your, your ghost, uh, who's always on the show, different ones every week. You've got your uh, uh, four teenage sleuths. And then you've got this terrified dog uh, named Scooby Doo. And again, the premise of the show is always the same. It begins by them coming across some kind of scary creature ghost uh, in a haunted house or maybe there's a robbery or some mischief and uh, they find out there's a ghost involved. Well, they spend the whole show tracking down, trying to chase and capture this ghost. And when they do, they always at the end remove the mask and reveal that that ghost was actually a human being. It was just some villain dressed up as a ghost. I think that changed a little bit in the late 90s, but for years that was the premise. And basically, what it communicated, I think, to our generation uh, when I was a child was that really any supernatural phenomenon has a very natural explanation, that that spiritual beings, the spirit realm, doesn't really interact with the physical realm. Now, what I have found over the years in my walk with the Lord is that that's not altogether different than the way a lot of Christians believe. Now, I know in our mind that we may profess to believe certain things, but the way we actually behave in our lives, I think, betrays the fact that we don't really live like we believe these two realms interact that much. And because we tend to ignore the reality of the spirit realm, which Jesus was very clear in teaching us about, then we become crippled by bondages that remain in our lives undetected. And those bondages actually hinder us from being that useful vessel or being useful to the master. Now, Paul talks about this need for us to cleanse ourselves from evil, to identify and uproot anything where we can see a source of, there's an element of evil in our life that's trying to influence us. And the means by which Jesus actually cleanses us from that evil or from those strongholds is called deliverance. Deliverance is simply driving darkness, or more specifically, a demon, an actual being, uh, driving it from a place that's been given to it by a person. Now, I think most of us are familiar with the term demon possession, whether you're familiar with that in the Scriptures, or maybe you've you know, seen some movie over the years. But the word that we translate from the Bible, possession, is actually not possessed like we think. It's not that Linda Blair, head-spinning, vomiting, You know, kind of thing, for those who remember that movie. Uh, Not that I watched it, but I did deal with some people in exorcism after who had watched it, and I'm being serious. But in any case, um, I'm not talking about just that, even though that can certainly happen. But in the Greek language, the word actually means to be demonized. It means to be assaulted from a demon being. In fact, what I found interesting in kind of studying the word a little deeper, uh, the word demonized literally means a demonically induced passivity. And I really found that interesting. A demonically induced passivity. Because what that says to me is that the majority of the work of the enemy in the average person's life is not through these obvious, evident, you know, kind of that Linda Blair thing, like I said, but it's more held, done in the secret. So he's actually able to control and manipulate, but from a hidden place, So that a person remains in bondage. So that over the course of their life, he goes unchallenged and he wreaks a lot of havoc. And it may not always be in ways that we naturally can identify as things being broken, even though in God's eyes, they're broken and dysfunctional. But in the natural, we've kind of come to accept certain things. But it's not only that, but it's the way that the enemy kind of robs us by getting us to believe certain things about ourselves or the world that we interact with. And we actually kind of go through life never really engaged in what's important. We come to Christ, we repent, we repent of our sin, but the problem is we don't really begin to think a new way and actually live in the kingdom. We, we don't actually carry the kingdom and presence of God with us everywhere we go as the Lord intends. We just kind of settle in the middle somewhere where we're Christians, we believe in the Lord, we try to do good, we're going to heaven, but the reality is we're, we're still living for ourselves it's about our comfort it's about our 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 our, our pursuits it's about our, our our pleasures all that kind of stuff we're not really kingdom minded we're not really experiencing the fullness of life that jesus intends for us now the bible says that when you accept jesus into your life when you invite him into your heart into your life that he comes to live in us. He sends the Holy Spirit to live in us. Jesus himself said, I will come and live in you. My Father will come. We'll make our home, our dwelling place in you. When Jesus comes to live in you, you cannot be possessed in your spirit by a demon. But what can happen is you can be harassed in your soul by a demon. You can be harassed in the areas of your mind, your emotions, your feelings that, get you, that, that, that kind of cause you to make decisions based on very much a fleshly, emotional, human level that actually will stifle your spirit. Because if your soul remains in bondage and you're living at that level, there's not really anything in the spirit realm or in your spirit life that you're expecting. You're just kind of living in the natural according to your feelings or what your natural mind understands. We've read this scripture over and over again, Ephesians 4.27, these past few weeks, in which Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give him a way to defeat you. And that's interesting, because Paul says, don't you give it to him. He can't take it, but he can have it if you give it to him. Don't give the devil a foothold. And a foothold, essentially, is just a secure position from which further progress can be made. It's very sad what we're seeing happen in the Ukraine, but it's a good illustration. As you see the Russian forces move in, they don't go from Moscow into Kiev. What are they doing? They go around the border, and bit by bit, day after day, you're seeing that red on the map begin to fill in. Why? Because they move so far, they win that territory, they hunker down, and from that position, what do they do? They regain, they re-equip, they move a little further. And that describes exactly how spiritual forces actually try to work if they can get a foothold in our life. That's how the devil advances his work in our lives. Now, we don't talk about the demonic to be sensational. That's not the point. We talk about the demonic to remind ourselves that we have an enemy whose success in our lives depends entirely on his ability to remain hidden. And one of the primary ways he remains hidden is by trying to convince you that everything you experience just has a natural explanation. Every challenge, everything you're going through, every temptation, every thought, it just can be naturally explained away. Now, I won't take time to go into it. You can do your own research, but if you have any kind of computer Bible program, you can probably even do it online. But if you just type in spirit of, in the Bible, spirit of, and hit search, you will literally have... Dozens of of things pop up, and what the Bible does, it explains or mentions by name many of these demonic activities that are on the go in the spirit realm all around us, and just simply uses the word to describe their activity. Uh, and, And just like in the human realm, we recognize that we're all quite different We all have different experience, different strengths, different passions, different giftings, right? And uh, we have no problem saying this person's a doctor, this person's a pastor, this person, whatever the case may be, there's a certain skill set. So that's what the scripture is basically saying, is that in the same way, there are demonic beings that have interacted with humankind for thousands of years, and they specialize in certain areas. They know very well how you work, how you're wired, how to trigger a certain response. And so here, for example, we see that. In fact, we see both realms. Am I off? I'm on. I'm cutting the. Oh, she said bad theology. She has to give me a good mic. This mic filters my theology. Okay, well, I'll use this. Let me turn this one up. So in the same way. <laughs> test, test. I turned it off too soon. There we go. And Pastor Chris in his home pulling his hair out, a little bit he's got. <laughs> so in the spirit realm, we know that there's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. We know that as believers, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, and with him, he brings all kinds of gifts. So for example, when we read the word of God, we see that there is the spirit of Christ, right? But we also read there's the spirit of Antichrist that's at work in our world. Let's just go through the list real quickly. Another one, the spirit of light. Right When we welcome the Holy Spirit, he brings light. But there's also spirits of darkness that we can open our heart to. There's spirit of wisdom. There's also lying spirits. The Lord can give you a spirit of understanding. The devil can give you a spirit of dullness. Some of you are feeling that right now. The spirit of unity comes from the Lord. The spirit of confusion comes from the powers of darkness. The spirit of gentleness or spirit of anger. Spirit of holiness or unclean spirits. But what I want us to understand is just as these traits of the Holy Spirit in my life are not just my own heightened abilities, but they actually come from the Holy Spirit and they shape me and influence me, in the same way, these demonic traits are not just human personality flaws. The enemy can try to accentuate some things that I've chosen to give myself to, but he is the source of that. We need to understand that. So as we look at things in our own life, like we shared last week, or week before last, as believers, we've got to stop excusing things away in the natural. Well, that's just me. That's just normal. That's just the way we behave. No, 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 no. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old has passed away, and it is gone. And he says, behold, look. Everything is new and continues to become new. That's the truth. But you see, the enemy wants you to believe, no, if that's not happening in your life, it's okay because there's a natural explanation. The Lord says, no, it's not just a personality flaw. There's activity going on behind there. And so depending what influence we give ourselves to, it's to it's going to determine what flows out. There's either going to be things like joy and peace, purpose, fulfillment. Even in hard times, there's going to be strength and faith, or there's going to be uncleanness, confusion, disappointment, anger, pride, dysfunction, whatever the case may be. Now, I find two primary ways that the, that the devil tries to get entry into our life. It's usually, number one, in times of trauma, or it can also be in times of transition. It's usually in seasons where our emotions tend to be stirred up or they're kind of raw, you know, we're going through something, and we're just kind of feeling things at a, at a heightened level, oftentimes it's then that the enemy will use that as an entry point, but again, only if we allow him to, if we give him a place. For example, trauma can include, of course, the death of a loved one, uh, going through a divorce, uh, seasons of stress maybe at work or in life, times of hurt, times of disappointment. There's many things like that that can be described as trauma. Transition can involve uh, the early school years for our children. I don't say this to be political, though I don't mind if I need to, but I don't think we'll know for years the trauma of what our children have gone through these last two years with all the regulations, good or bad, right or wrong, devastating things that they will go through. There are things that have sown in their lives these last couple years that I believe we're going to be reaping as a generation in, in years to come. So that's a reality. But the devil, you see, he can take even something that's normal and the best he can because he's a bully, he will try to manipulate that to get entry into your life even at a young age. It may be the season of puberty that we go through, pregnancy and menopause for a woman, midlife crisis for a man, whatever it may be. You see, what the devil will do, he'll use these times to distract you from what is actually going on in your life. So that you'll just explain it away as a natural thing and you'll never ever get to the source. And so he will try to convince you that when you're going through that, well, you need to kind of just lower your expectations. You need to understand everybody goes through that. It's just kind of normal. And he wants you to give place to things like doubt or depression or dysfunction. How many times have you heard something like this? Well, all marriages go through their ups and downs. No. No, they don't. I mean, yeah, lots do, but as you do go through that, do you just accept that as a believer? Do you just say, oh, well, you know, we're just the old ball and chain. We've been together 35 years, you know. I'm sorry, I'm venting. We'll be almost 36 next year, but, you know, I mean, do I just accept that? Or do I say, no, 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 Lord, your spirit lives in me. Your spirit lives in her. We can work this out. Like, we don't have to drag this on for months. We can deal with this. You can deal with our hearts, Lord. We can have peace in our home. We can have forgiveness. We can hit whatever the case may be. We don't just accept, is what I'm saying. Or well, you know, well, all kids when they hit that age, you know, they they're, they're going to rebel. No, no, sure, some will, but still, you're not without resource as, as a Christian. It's not just something you just say. Well, that's just the way it is. Uh, it came to my mind this morning, the first service, I'll share it again, and I'm sure the thing maybe may be once before, but a good pastor friend of mine, I'll never forget the story he tells of a time when, when his daughter, who he said, she's just so sweet, she was just a tender soul, and he said, uh, I think she was 16 or something like that, and she just went sideways, and for like for six months, she was always upset with us. We could do nothing wrong. You know, as parents, she thought we were brain dead. I mean, she was a Christian girl, but she rebelled against everything. And we were at wit's end. I mean, we, we prayed for her like parents do, and we wept, and we were, didn't know what to do. And he said, finally, I just felt I've, and, and but I'm not sharing this is a magic formula, okay, but this was their situation. And he said, I just felt I need to fast and pray. He didn't sit any time on it. He said, I'm just gonna fast and to get an answer. At least I know what's going on here. And I don't know how many days he's into the fast. Well, he's in his bedroom on his knees. And he said, just as I was praying, he said, The Lord just brought to the, my, the eye of my spirit this image of my little daughter out in a field, just pinned against a tree. And there were these three ravenous wolves that were just there, barking and growling and spitting. And she was just absolutely terrified. And he said, I don't know how long I was in prayer. I might have been hours. I might have been 10 minutes. I have no idea. I just knew I went to battle for my little girl. And I came against one at a time, every one. What I th- he said, I knew they were demons. He said, I came up with them one at a time. I don't know how long it took, but eventually they all left one by one. They were gone. And I felt a release in my spirit. And he said, I got up. And he said, I wasn't even thinking this way. He said, I got up, and I just walked down the hall to go to the front room. And at the exact moment, I passed by my daughter's bedroom. Her door opened, and all she said was, Daddy. And she crumbled in my arms. What was broken in the spirit, you see, released my daughter. And again, we may all go through different things, whether the case may be, I just want to encourage us, okay? It's not that we have to beat ourselves up at parents. It's not that we have to find some magic form to make it work, but we have to stop accepting as normal. Now, I know our kids, you know, can make their choices, whatever the scenario may be. That's just an example. But what else is it? Is it your finances? Well, you know, everybody goes through this financially, or whatever it may be, you name it, but I promise you, there will always be thoughts introduced to your mind that, as difficult as it may be, you might as well accept it because it just has a natural explanation. And it's not true. It's not true. There are demonic powers behind this. Now, we have responsibility to make wise choices and so on by receiving God's truth and doing what the Lord says, but, w- but when things are happening that shouldn't be happening that way, we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what is going on? And not just accept the natural explanation, but understand there's spiritual instigations behind that. And what is the enemy doing? He's establishing a foothold because from there he plans to make further progress until I finally recognize who he is, what he's doing and take my authority. The Bible is very clear in Ephesians 6. We are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world. Now The Bible also says in Colossians, God stripped the spiritual rulers and powers of their authority. With the cross, he won the victory and he showed the world that they were powerless. What were powerless? The spiritual rulers and authorities. They were absolutely powerless. What he's saying is that when Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again from the grave, showing that death had no power over him, he was showing the world that the devil has no authority. No authority. But what the devil does have is the ability to deceive you. You see, he has no authority or right to do it but he has the ability through getting you to believe his lies that what he's saying is true and then he lodges in your heart or in that situation let me give you an illustration the police officers in our city they have been given authority right to arrest anyone who breaks the law to stop the criminals but the fact that they have authority to do that doesn't mean the criminals stop it doesn't stop criminal activity You see the difference? They have authority, but ever since the police station was built downtown, crime didn't stop. If anything, criminals do what? They become more creative in the ways that they commit crimes. Right? And so what the police have to do is they have to use their authority and they have to use their resources to keep crime under control, to punish those whom they find, and to keep the public as safe as they possibly can. Friends, you and I have been given authority over the devil. But he is not going to stop his activity. Now, his activity does not have to take up a dwelling in you, but his activity is going on all around you and me every single day. But we need to understand, as a people of God, he is not operating in authority. He is operating in a lie that he can get people to believe and then take up residence in their lives or in their situation. So we need to understand that the devil's not going to stop his activity, especially if we as the people of God don't use our authority. The devil has a heyday when the people of God just go about their lives, busy with other things. He just keeps doing what he's doing because he knows the only power that can stop him is in the body of Christ, but they're not doing anything, whether it's in prayer, ministry, evangelism, whatever the case may be. You see, to me, that's what discipleship is all about. It's not complicated. Discipleship, number one, is knowing Jesus. And number two is understanding you have authority to recognize and overthrow the powers of darkness. That's discipleship. All of us are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. But let me be clear. When it comes to any sin, it's not just like little sins, big sins, little demons, big demons. Jesus is very clear. The devil, Satan, comes for one reason to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. No matter what he's doing, small or great in our eyes, that's his ultimate motive. His ultimate goal through any sin is to devastate your life. And the way that he does that, of course, is when you open your heart to him by agreeing with or embracing the lie that he's telling you. The book of Amos says two people can't walk together unless they agree to do so. Same thing happens with us and the works of darkness in our lives. You see, footholds don't just happen. The way footholds happen is usually they occur in those emotional moments when we are most tempted to make decisions based on our feelings rather than listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll be the first to raise my hands, but how many be you be honest enough to say, yeah, I've made some decisions in emotional times that I regret it. Right? We all have. That's exactly how the enemy works in our lives. That's why Jesus said, if the light within you becomes darkness... How terribly dark it's going to be. You see, Jesus lives within us. The light is within us. The truth is within us. He he reveals things to us. But if we who have the light turn from the light and say, no, I'm going to do it this way instead, the Lord says, there's no other light. Your light's going to become dark. And it's even more dark than the person who doesn't know the Lord because they didn't know the light. How terrible your darkness will be because you know differently. For example, any time I knowingly disobey the truth that God shows me, hear me, friends, I am not just exercising my free will. I am giving place to a demonic spirit. We've got to understand that. It's not this optional thing where I can disobey the Lord, the truth he reveals to me, and think there's no consequence. Now, it may not destroy my life, and yet there are people who have made a wrong decision and ended their life, Right? accident of some kind, drug overdose, wherever the case may be, right? The Lord says, don't do that. Not I'm going to do it this time. I'm okay. I'm immortal. I'll do it. That may not happen all the time, but we do give place to a spirit. And the idea that we can actually ignore the truth that God shows us with impunity is actually a demonic deception that leads to bondage. Now, one final way that we can also give access to a foothold is through the sin of somebody else. what I mean by that, is that there are people who have influence in our life because they have authority of some kind. Say your parents, or maybe your employer, or maybe your close friend, somebody that has some weight or sway in your life. The Bible says, for example, in Proverbs 18, what you say can preserve life or destroy it, so you must accept the consequences of your words. You've got to weigh what you say because the power of life and death is in the tongue, the Bible says. I think one of the best life lessons that my wife Vanessa has ever modeled for me as we raised our two boys over the years was how important it is as parents that we be thoughtful and and measured in our reactions and our responses toward our children. You see, I really believe that we as parents actually have more potential than the devil himself to harm our children by the glances that we give to them, by the words that we speak to them. And these are things the devil can use to actually scar them and shape them for years to come. And so the enemy can find place in our life through things that someone else has done that we weren't, you know, guilty of ourselves. But again, we opened our heart and believed the lie. I remember the story just came to my mind of a, a few years ago now, but a lady in California shared the story how she was uh, like in her mid 80s. And she was just in the worship service and just singing. And not really loud, just above the whisper. And a young lady beside her said, ma'am, you have an incredible voice. Like, why aren't you in the, you know, church chorus, you know, kind of thing. They had a, like a little choir up there. Oh, no, 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 no. I, oh, no. I don't have a voice that I could never sing. And she finally encouraged her, got to know her a little bit. she came to discover that that lady who was in her 80s, when she was six years old, she said, I would love to sing. Everywhere I went, I would sing and sing and sing. And she said, one morning, I was just walking across the kitchen, skipping and singing. And my mother, who must just have been stressed, and she was baking and doing all these different things, not even thinking, she just turned around and said, would you be quiet? You can't carry a note in a bucket. Now, her mother loves her. probably had no idea. She was just, whatever, stressed. And she said, I never sang from that day. For 75 years, I never sang again. You see what was done? Now, for you, it may be something totally different, but just as devastating. The enemy is shut down in your heart because of something somebody else has said. And their words has had power because they're influenced, but they've also had power because we've chosen to believe that lie rather than what we know to be the truth. Well, I have to wrap up. Let me just give you real quick a few things that are really important to us if we're going to experience the freedom the Lord has for us. Number one, relationship is absolutely vital. Friends, you will never ever ever experience the freedom that Jesus Christ intends for you if you are not deliberate in your relationship with him. If you don't know him, if you don't cultivate a relationship with him, you're not going to know his freedom. The Lord wants us to have a relationship with him that's nourished by his word. He wants us to know what it is to have times of just Holy Spirit energized prayer. Friends, those two basic things, they are not optional. If you want to know jesus you can come to church and friends we all do we all have weeks where we feel dry we come we feel maybe refreshed or picked up but friends that's not going to sustain it we know we're moving into the days if you don't know jesus you're going to know it you're going to know it and it may be too late to catch up now is the season to be diligent in your walk with christ a second thing with relationship is revelation the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 that we don't have to give any ground to the enemy because we know what his plans are. We can see what he's doing. You see, the reason strongholds remain in our lives and circumstances is because Satan works in the dark and it's only the light of God's word that actually exposes his lies. And so when you have the word of God in your heart, when you're in the word of God, meditating upon the word of God, being taught by the Holy Spirit, the Lord shows you where, hey, there's more to it than just this. It may be a natural thing the Holy Spirit to say, hey, here's wisdom to act accordingly. Okay, it's just a natural thing. Here's what you need to do. That's fine. But there's other times the Holy Spirit will say, no, no, there's more to it than this. There's demonic work going on behind the scenes here. And he will expose that to you. Then he will give you the word that becomes a sword in your hand. And once the enemy is exposed, you can actually extract him with the word of God. And you can be free. But sadly, most Christians do not read the word of God. It's estimated, I think, around 2 or 3% of believers have any kind of regular time in the Word of God. And what that means is that the majority of believers remain bound in so many areas that aren't necessary. There are others who know the difference, who know what God is saying to them, but they choose not to deal with it. Hear me, friends. If the Lord is speaking to you about something and you choose not to deal with it, again, it's not inconsequential. I'll tell you exactly what happens. The stronghold's walls become thicker and thicker. And you grow less and less sensitive to God's voice until your conscience becomes seared in that area and you just go on doing what you want to do or acting the way you want to do and you just keep justifying it. And to sear doesn't mean to cut off. It means to cauterize. What that means is over time, you just simply lose your sensitivity to God and his dream for you just dies. But when you love his truth, your heart remains tender and responsive and he brings you from one freedom to the next. And the final thing... Relationship, revelation, and renunciation. What I mean by that is that once you receive the revelation, you have to renounce that thing that has brought the bondage in the first place. You have to be willing to say, Jesus, I will never have anything to do with that again. You see, a lot of Christians want God to take the desire away. He doesn't take your desire away. No, that's your job. That's your decision to make when you, by an act of your own will, you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent of this sin. I change the way I think about that. I want to think about it the way you do. I renounce its hold on me. I break off any agreement I've had. Anywhere you said the devil, here's the lie the devil told. I say, devil, in Jesus' name, I renounce you. I no longer agree with you. You are a liar. Here's what God says. This is what I believe and what I stand on. And then you receive God's freedom from that stronghold. And once you make that decision, Jesus begins your deliverance. But, friends, none of that's going to happen unless you are purposeful in your relationship with the Lord. That's where it all starts. I'm gonna ask the musicians to join me as we close this morning. I just wanna go back to that first thing I said, that the devil's greatest strategy, I believe, in our lives to keep us bound is simply through spiritual passivity. That's his greatest weapon. And I wanna ask you just to examine your heart for a moment this morning and say, Holy Spirit, will you show me where I'm passive? And what I mean by that is you may be passive in accepting a certain situation you find yourself in that you know is not God's desire for you, but you've just allowed all these arguments and rationales to build up to accept, well, this is just my lot. And I guess until Jesus comes or I go to heaven, this is just the way life's going to be. You see, that's passivity. Passivity. It's just given into that spirit of dullness, that spirit of unbelief, that lying spirit, whatever it may be, or some sin that you struggle with. An unclean spirit says, I know you've tried, you've tried, you've tried, but you know what? <laughs> Maybe somebody else, but it's not for you. Or how about this, probably the greatest sin in the body of Christ today, prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. Somehow in the body of Christ, somehow in this day in which we live, we still tend to believe that prayer is optional. The presence of God is an option. The word of God is an option. If I get around to it, friends, don't we understand now is the time, if there's ever been a time, to know your God. Now's the time. It won't happen overnight. We can be watching the media every night and say, oh, the world's gone to hell in the handbasket, you want to believe it's going to get darker still. But hear me, saints, you cannot grow a tree overnight. You can grow dandelions, you can grow weeds, you can grow whatever, little bushes, whatever the case may be, but they will not stand. It takes time to grow that oak tree, plant it by the rivers of living water, Growing in your, your leaves in season, that whatever your hand comes to, it prospers. The, the work of the Lord prospers in your hands. Why? Because you've cultivated that relationship. And how does that begin? By breaking that spirit of dullness and unbelief and prayerlessness and apathy. But there's got to be something that you shake. You've got to be sensitive to where you're dull in those places and say, Lord, forgive me. I repented that by a work of your grace and of your spirit. I pray in Jesus' name, would you quicken me if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you? He will quicken you and make you alive to God. And if you're not sensing that this morning, I encourage you, whether it's this morning before you leave this place or today or through this week, get alone with God and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, O God. I want to be alive to you. It's just, it just comes to my mind. Just during worship here, I mean, I don't know what. You know, we lost an hour's sleep. I uh, didn't sleep much last night. I'm kind of tired, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't know how I haven't yawned yet. But, uh, you know, I'm just tired. And I'm sitting there during worship. And that, those are comfortable seats. And, and I, would, I know Joanna's doing four songs, and I gotta know when I need to get up, and, and I just kind of found her you know, like in the second song, like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to, yeah, okay. And just very softly, the Holy Spirit said, smarten up, worship, worship. And I just physically had to push myself to the edge of my seat. I'm here, Lord, I worship you, I worship you. Now, that's no major spiritual victory, but it's just that subtle. It's that simple. There's just simple ears where the Holy Spirit will speak to us lovingly and say, you're falling asleep here. You're dropping the ball here. You're, you're not being diligent here. He's not a father who's going to punish us. He's saying, listen, there's things I'm calling you to that I want to do in you. Don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. And I want to encourage us once again to understand That really our spiritual battle, greatest spiritual battle, is against the demonic, that demonically induced passivity. That we need to be diligent to identify and break. I believe the Holy Spirit's restoring his church. And as he does, you can expect to see what Jesus promised. In Mark 16, he said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name. What's the very first thing he says over and over again? You'll find this, him saying this many times. In my name, they will cast out demons. Why? Because that's where the battle really is. That's what this is all about. For this reason, the Son of Man came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. Not just in your life through salvation, but now in you for you to carry that presence everywhere you go. And wherever you go, understand where the enemies is at work and come against it. And it may mean physically cast no demon from somebody. It may mean walking into your workplace when nobody else is around and doing a prayer walk and saying, In the name of Jesus, I claim this place for the kingdom of God. It may mean going around that board table and praying for different people when nobody's around and say, Father, I just pray that your, your Holy Spirit would just work in their life. I pray when they come here, Lord, that person that's always at the water cooler complaining that person whose marriage is falling apart, whatever it may be, Father, I pray for restoration. I pray for healing. I pray for salvation. Friends, we're carrying the presence of God everywhere we go. We are casting out demons. We are identifying and overthrowing the works of darkness. But before we cast darkness out of anyone or anything, we've got to cast it out of us. We've got to say, Holy Spirit, I thank you for bringing me to Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just drive out any trace of darkness in me. Drive it out of me, Lord. Show me where it is. I repent of it. I want to be free. I want to be free. Can you imagine what God can do through a people who actually know who they are? In Christ, who actually know who they are. C.S. Lewis wrote a book years ago called The Screwtape Letters a conversation between a master demon and his little apprentice named Wormwood and I can't remember all of it but he said something like this, he said Wormwood make sure that Christians never understand who they are because once they do hell help us all heaven's going to break loose and that's the reality would you bow your hearts with me, I'm not going to prolong the service this morning but now they're feeling a rush if you want to just spend some time with the Lord As the worship team just sings this song, would you allow the Holy Spirit to show you any area in your life, experience, spiritual attitude, whatever, where you know the works of darkness have been hunkered down for a while, and you would just agree with the Holy Spirit. You would repent, renounce, believe in the lie, and receive freedom from the Lord this morning. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton Podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. And follow us on social media at gtmoncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.